Welcome back to the Blog Boy Roundtable. We've got a fantastic four this week of myself, Seth Bonador, Robert Stieg, and Nathan Bond of the Bay Area Examiner, and Nick Simon of DraftKings Network. Well, guys, uh, last week, not uh, not our best week collectively. Now, we're still doing pretty good on the season. We're sitting at 55 and 45 for the season. Uh, so still in kind of the money, so to speak, being 55% on the year. Uh, but there was one game last week that we all uh, ate it on. And, you know, I think it's I think we can all blame Nathan Bond for this. Lane Kiffin heard the Nepo baby slander and came out and uh, <laughs> dropped it on LSU's head. LSU could not cover the two and a half. Nate, do you, do you have anything to say to Lane Kiffin? Do you want to apologize? No, I don't. I don't want to apologize. I appreciate him finally being able to do his job and like beat someone that's supposed to be better than him because um, he definitely blew his shot two weeks ago against the Alabama team that clearly looked wounded. Uh, and I don't know if he's going to get another shot at a, a depleted Bama. Um and I'm pretty sure I'm not even, you know, like even how I'm pretty sure how Steinbrenner even has won a World Series, like, uh, and he is maybe the worst Nepo baby owner in sports history. Uh, he has kind of ruined the Yankees as a race fan. I love that, but I mean, talk about you know starting on third and scoring on a wild pitch. <laughs> yeah, I, I the. What's interesting, or not interesting, but what's crazy about that game is LSU actually kind of dropped a touchdown in the end zone on the last play of the game. If you watch that, the ball is in the guy's hands. Uh, and they might have covered then. LSU was up nine. They were favored by two and a half. Couldn't quite do it. Um, Nick, is this an LSU team that you'll never want to pick ever again, but with this defense? Yeah, this defense with uh, Matt House, the defensive coordinator, had it has problems. It has a lot of problems. Offense is pretty good. Jay Daniels is playing great. Luke Neighbors is like doing his job and everything like that. <laughs> but but this is highly concerning for an LSU defense that is supposed for a team that's well. I mean, they're still very much in the SEC West race the reigning SEC West champions, but this is concerning and the schedule. It's still not going to be easy for them coming down the stretch. Good God. Like, good God. They got an, they have an interesting game this week. They have to go on the road to Mizzou. That, that could be uh that could be points. I don't know. It could be a wild one. Stieg, we all picked LSU. Was this, hate, were you surprised? Brian Kelly. I hate him right now. He's dead to me. You went against your own. You went against your personal feelings in that one. Uh, I, never I, again. I just I I should trust like whenever I see like an an SEC team playing at home that ha- looks somewhat competent. Like you know, I'm sitting here naively thinking that like ah oh, you know LSU's battle tested at this point. No, they they were pooping their pants the entire game. That defense had nothing. You know, the yeah. second that that fourth quarter started and the, the, the crowd got a little raucous, there was a little poo-poo coming out of those pants from Brian Kelly's sideline. So, yeah, that was, that was annoying. 
I think uh, potentially uh, something to watch for potentially this year is if LSU's defense just continues to be terrible and they lose a couple games that you might have thought before the season, they definitely wouldn't. Like this Missouri game could be a tough one. Uh, I think a lot of people are, are thinking maybe it's a good place to buy back on LSU, but they're only a five-and-a-half-point favorite at Missouri. Like if they lose that one, they could have uh, – their season could crater. And uh, Brian Kelly doesn't seem to be – uh, looking in the mirror too much. I think he's. I think he says something to the effect of the. You know, these are the players we've got, or something like that. So, uh, I don't think. Uh, I, I don't think that's he's a master motivator uh, in terms of getting the guys to play for him. So that'll be uh, something to watch for going forward. Will LSU implode? Which would be interesting and maybe a little funny. Um, other notable from the weekend, we'll talk about Notre Dame and their. Never in doubt cover that most of us had last week. Uh, we'll talk about them later in the show. Uh, but the other kind of interesting game was that USC Colorado, after the performance against Oregon, Nate, I know that was your off the board pick was USC minus 21 and a half. Looked pretty good there for a long while in that game. Yeah, uh, they ruined my off-the-board streak. I had uh, correctly picked my off-the-board picks uh, right every single week this so far this season. And, you know, they were teetering on going up, you know, 28 and just never could kick that door in uh, in the second half. And then they just started uh, – that defense is terrible. I still have no idea how Alex Grinch continues to get – get gainful employment like it does not make sense to me whatsoever he was where what do you guys remember where was he when was he with leach or something at washington state is that where he was because he got this reputation of being a guy that was really good despite you know limitations of his roster and um then he went to ohio state for a spell um but man yeah he's been they're not very good and they they went to the portal, try to get some guys, but they're continually pretty bad. And that might be the thing that costs them this year because there's a lot of really good offenses in the Pac-12. I'm kind of side-eyeing Lincoln because, dude, you're at you're at USC. You can – I mean, hell, you was at Oklahoma. Like, you can upgrade at defensive coordinator. This isn't working out. You know, I know he's your guy. He's been there – he's been with you for a while, but – you're the head coach at USC. You can you can go out and get yourself an actual defensive coordinator. This the I I don't know, man. This that team. I mean, again, like we just mentioned it with LSU. That team, obviously, amazing offense, number one pick in the NFL draft. Everything like that. It's everything that you would want from a USC offense. But that defense is going to cost you some games down the stretch because buddy schedule is going to get tougher starting next week when they have to go to South Bend to play Notre Dame like that. Oh, buddy. Yeah. Grinch is, uh, Grinch stole Christmas once and he seems like he's stealing paychecks, uh, in California. Steve, any, any thoughts on the USCD? Is this just a, an, is this just going to be an over team until I, further yeah. notice? Yeah, basically. I mean, it, this seems like it's going to just absolutely crater for, for Lincoln there in like the next year. Like the second Caleb Williams leaves that door to go to the NFL, like you could just kind of see the writing on a USC first year in the Big Ten just getting 
mollywopped by the Michigans, Ohio States, the Penn States, I even the Minnesotas and the Wisconsins of the world. Like I just, it seems like no matter how much talent you can put at that defensive side of the ball, they just can't find a competent defensive coordinator that says, "Yeah, we can do something with it." Um, you know, they've they've gone through a litany of of defensive coordinators over the last fifteen years. You know, we're lo- we're we're with one of them, and he's turned out pretty good for us. And yeah. for some odd reason, whatever is in the air at the Coliseum just doesn't work for defensive coordinators. Whether it's how they're preparing or what's going on around the, the the horn or something like that it something has to be in the water there for the defense at usc to be consistently this bad despite who is playing despite who's coaching like is there someone in usc's offense like the office that has been continuously a part of the defensive staff for the past like 15 years because that person needs to get fired that person is cursed and is clearly causing all of all of this for them yeah, I I'm, I wonder if it's uh, like a recruiting base issue. I don't know. You know, I think especially like up front, they're not they're, they're just not as big out west on either side of the ball. Um, that's kind of a, a trend in the last four or five years that you're not seeing as many big guys out west. Uh, so I wonder if that's part of it. But um, you know, it's there. There hasn't been a ton of great defenses out, out west really in recent memory. So. Who knows? But let's move on to this week. We've got some pretty big games. We've got really one big one and then a couple other ones that are interesting matchups. Um, Kind of somewhat uh, maybe inflated records for some of these teams. But uh, the big one, we'll start with the big game of the week. The game day is there. It's Red River. You got Texas is a six and a half point favorite against Oklahoma. The total is set at 60 and a half. Vito could not join us this week, but he likes Texas to cover the six and a half. Stieg, what do you think? I uh, I want to go off the rails on this one a little bit. Oh. I'm going under 60 and a half. I think that, I mean, all things aside in this rivalry, you 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 throw out every preconceived notion of what has happened prior to this game because throw it all out the window. Nothing matters except that these two teams absolutely hate each other and these teams and these coaches are putting bulletin board material up all week and all night and all day and everything like that. Last year aside, it, it just seems like they're just due for the opposite of a of a of a of a shootout. Like just two dudes at opposite ends of the field with a knife just throwing it at each other. And that's basically what I think we're going to end up having. Um, I still think they might score some points here and there. Um, I just, I just think that there's probably going to be some more aggression on the defensive side of the ball. Um, trying to get takeaways, trying to force, uh, you know, Quinn Ewers and Dylan Gabriel uh, to be uncomfortable. Um, usually when I see two high profile quarterbacks like this, uh, it screams to me, Hey, they might suck this game. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going with the under here. Yeah, I've heard some I've heard some kind of sharp guys out there uh that like the under in this game as well. I, I, Nick, where are you leaning? This is one for me that it's you look at all the numbers and everything and I saw somebody did like uh went and looked at all, you know, five or six different advanced stats previews and it was almost split down the middle in terms of winner, loser. Uh what are your thoughts on this one cuz it seems pretty even especially by the numbers. 
Yeah, I'm right there. I'm right there with Steak. I'm going to go. I went with the under here because when you like look at it, you know, both of these teams, when you look at SP plus and FPI, both of these teams are two of the highest ranked uh, defensive units in the entire country. You know, on Oklahoma's side, I was looking it up, Oklahoma's side, uh, got to give credit where credit's due. Ted Roof's defense has not been the disaster that it was last year. I, I Like, going into the season, one of my predictions was the like Oklahoma under, just because I predicted, like, Oklahoma's not going to be able to stop anybody. And granted, they still haven't necessarily got into the meat and potatoes of the Big 12 schedule yet, you know, but their defense has been – like their defense has still been pretty good. They're tenth in the nation in uh, defensive uh, third down conversion percentage, and they're tied for fourth in turnover margin. And then on the other side with Texas, they're right above OU, ranked ninth in defensive third down conversion percentage, and then they're fifty percent in the red zone. So they're just absolutely stonewalling teams who are who even make it to make it within the twenty. So I think both of these, both teams have high-powered offenses, but they're going to have to really work for the points here. So I could see this kind of similar, kind of similar to like the Alabama game where it's in the ballpark of like 30, 24, something like that. But I I have the under here because I think like those defenses are going to like really, really make Mr. Gabriel and Mr. Ewers' life hard in this game yeah one thing that really pops out when looking at texas's stats is that their success rate on offense is like 99th in the country um now they've played some pretty we saw that alabama defense live and in person they're pretty good uh, and they can bring down a team success rate pretty quickly um but yeah, I, I, that that's kind of odd to me that it's just they're not great down to down, but they've been explosive enough to kind of cover everything up. Their EPA numbers are all really good. You know, I, I, to me, this is a toss-up. Um, I do think the under is an interesting play. I'm going to just take Oklahoma plus six and a half. My worry is that Oklahoma has not really played anyone, and Texas is somewhat more battle-tested. Uh, so that does worry me a little bit. Um, but – I'm just going to take the points here because I'm really not sure which way to go. Uh, Nate, which what are you thinking on this one? So this is the fourth time in the series that the game has been played on October 7th. Texas is one and two in those games. The under has hit twice in the previous three games. Uh, each time that they've won, let me double check here. Uh, so October 7th, 2006, they won 28 to 10. That would be under the 60 points. Deep uh, trends here. I mean, and then in 1978, they lost. But <laughs> I remember it like it was it yesterday. They also, it was also under. Um, 2000, we don't want to talk about 2000. Oklahoma won 63 to 14, but I think that was their national championship year. If I'm not mistaken, so that's not really fair. Um, I'm taking Texas, and uh, gun in my head. If uh, if if I had to also pick the over under, I, I'm picking under. Um, Texas won last year, uh, forty nine nothing. 
Um, and the games have been pointy outside of some of the games that Texas has actually won over the last decade. Uh, so 20, dating back to literally the last decade, last 11 games, they've won three times, excuse me, four times. Uh, one, two, three of them would have been, uh, would have been under. So I think Texas wins it's under, uh, I, I just, I really like what this Texas team is. I think, uh, hashtag Texas back. Yeah, uh, the thing that really worries me about my Oklahoma pick is I'm looking at their receivers, and Drake Stoops is like leading the team in targets, and I I don't know what to think about that. In my brain, that says that's a bad sign, but he's been pretty productive, so I I, I don't know. But uh, that should be a fun game, and that's kind of the first game of the day. Then as we move on throughout the day, we come up to another ranked matchup. You got the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs hosting the Kentucky Wildcats, who thrashed Florida last week, put him in the sharpshooter early and did not let go. Uh, Georgia is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. The total is set at 48. Nick, what what are your thoughts on this one? Vito has the Wildcats plus 14-and-a-half. And I'm with Vito here. Um, first of all, it's interesting how we're like six weeks into the season, and I think this is the first time we're really talking about Georgia because they've yeah. just been like they've just been. It's kind of similar to Michigan; they've just been playing like nothing. They've had a nothing schedule, and they've not really done anything necessarily interesting. I I have Georgia winning this, but th- it, to me, this game is going to go exactly the way you think it is. It it is in your head, Kentucky. This game is in Lexington, right? No, in at, at Georgia. Oh, yes. Okay, it's in it's in Georgia. Still, Kentucky has the tenth rate defense in SP plus. So Georgia's kind of has they're still figuring things out on offense. So they're gonna make Mister Carson Beck work for his points. But on the other end, they're not gonna be able to do anything against. This Georgia defense, a young Georgia defense, but it's still Georgia's defense. This is the exact ugly street fight that you have in your mind about how this game is going to go. So I just think just by that, Kentucky will cover, but they don't really have much of a shot at actually going into Athens and winning is. So 14 and a half is a lot. So give me Kentucky here. Yeah, I'm I'm. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I watched. No, I watched the whole uh, Kentucky Florida game last week. I'm um, sorry, <laughs> it was it was rough after about the first four minutes. Uh, it, it got in garbage time pretty quick. Um, but Kentucky, uh, the thing that worries me about Kentucky is um, they did not look great throwing the ball, and but they get they they look legit on defense. Like they look like they have some NFL dudes up front. Um, Georgia has, I think Georgia's yet to cover this year, which is another interesting side of it. Um, I'm going to go with Kentucky. I think this could be one where we see Georgia t- Georgia totally snuff out the Kentucky run game, and then we all feel silly afterwards. But 14 and a half with a total set at 48, Kentucky's been really explosive this year, and if they hit a couple of explosives with that kind of low total, then I think you're you're in the game there. So I'm going to take it. I think they're really good on defense, like you mentioned, Nick. And I think they got like some legit NFL dudes up front. They got a D tackle that like was getting blocked by a tight end who was like 
two hands on him, pushing him, and he just like grabbed the running back with his other arm and picked him up off the ground. Like a legit grown man. So he's a sophomore. So I, I, I'm with you there. Uh, Nate, what are you thinking in Georgia and Kentucky? Are we all silly or for taking Kentucky so far? So, as you mentioned, you know, I don't think Georgia's covered. I think the closest is probably the UAB game where they won by 28. Uh, but everything else, I think, has been single digits um, for the most part, except for, was it like Ball State? The one by 42. Um, Georgia's on a 13 game win streak in this series. Uh, they have, you know, this is a stupid way to do it, but. They've only won by 14 or more points seven times during those 13 games. They're, it's a pretty competitive. And I think we could agree, you know, last year Georgia's team was really, really good. And they won 16 to six. So uh, Kentucky and Stoops likes to muck up games. And this is definitely one that he can really kind of get nasty and dirty. And um, that ground game looked, phenomenal against Florida. I think that may say a lot more about Florida than it, it does Kentucky. Uh, but I'm still taking Georgia. It's yeah. still Georgia. Um, <laughs> like 14 and a half is a lot, but like it's freaking Georgia. Like as we talk about USF, you're bad until you're not like Georgia, like you are the best team in the country until you're not. And I still think they are the best team in the country until you're not. This could, it could all be a moot point. This is a pretty soft schedule for them. So both teams have kind of come into this game, hashtag not played anybody, but Kentucky, yeah, it was interesting. So Kentucky was really heavy zone scheme coming into the Florida game and, and, but they were playing like Eastern Kentucky. They were playing some, you know, at Mac schools, like, and they come out and just run a ton of gaps game at Ford and just crush them and roll them off the ball. So um, it's interesting to kind of see them what maybe, and they didn't really have to show a lot. <laughs> they were, it was over after, you know, four drives. So uh, I wonder what else they got kind of under wraps there. Steve, where are you going? We've got uh, three on Kentucky, one on Georgia. I, I hate, Picking SEC games, if I won't, if I won't make that clear enough, I the, just the absolute bane of my existence at this point. Like, give me the MAC matchup of the week rather than giving me these stupid ranked matchups. Um, this game kind of reminds me of uh, the the Georgia Arkansas game last year, or was it the year before? Um, where like Arkansas was coming in kind of with a lot of enough to like momentum, like positive momentum, like you're like talking about KJ Jefferson and. And then, like, Georgia was like, oh, let's just handle business. Um, I don't think Georgia really wanted – I mean, knowing coming off of a national championship and a, and a dominant national championship at that, you know, I, I don't think that they're really trying, if that sounds nice. Like, I, I don't think that they're really putting all of their eggs together at this point. I think they're kind of going through the motions of the game-to-game week because, really, they haven't played anyone that's going to give them fits. And I think when Kirby Smart says, oh, you know, a, a Kentucky team that mucked it up against Florida last week, our, our bitter rival, and can clearly get up for a rivalry game, let, let's take this one a little bit more seriously. Um, they have the athletes to do it. I don't like Carson Beck, but, like, whatever. Like, he's a, he's like the A.J. McCarron of Georgia football right now where he doesn't really have to do anything spectacular, just hand the ball off, like, 16 times a game, complete a seven-yard completion of Brock Bowers, who will take it 58 and then, you know, win game, easy. Um, 
So yeah, give me give me Georgia to to win this one and, and to cover. Um, again, la- with with that Auburn game last week, it's it's Auburn now. It's Auburn Georgia. Like the, it's stupid. Stupid football happens for sixty minutes, and then Georgia wins. And and the yeah. prayer at Jordan here, like and give me Georgia here. Well, here's my question, kind of about that game. Um, so Auburn was a fourteen and a half point underdog. Just like Kentucky is obviously it was at home and the whole magic at Jordan Hare Stadium and I think Auburn Jesus is another thing like oh there's a whole like thing that happens there, uh, but same spread basically as Kentucky. We don't think Auburn and Kentucky are close to being equal, do we? No, and you know to Steve's point, they, Georgia hasn't really had to show much to kind of get the job done. They like we mentioned with USC, like they've been playing with their food a little bit. Um, they know if they just kind of win out, they're, they're a lock for the playoff. But you, at some point in this season, and, you know, we're, this will be the, the halfway mark for a lot of teams this week, you got to put up a dominating effort. This would be a good time to do so against a team that you have dominated for over a decade. Like, Put a mark on uh, Put a mark on it. This is definitely going to be the hardest team that they've faced. I think Georgia can get up and kind of, all right. It's like when you're playing with like your little brother at basketball and he like scores like three points on you. It's like, okay, I'll kind of roll up the sleeve. You're and not you're scoring for the next 45 minutes. Georgia's leaning forward in the chair now. Yes. What, yes. They've, and they've, they've, wiped, they've wiped <laughs> off their hands and they're ready to play. It's like, okay. That was that was my go-to whenever I played uh, NCAA against people, and like it was kind of not going great in the first half. I'd be like, "All right, pause." I'd go wash my hands with cold water, come back in, and it was over. Okay, well, love it. And and Seth, to your point about the the spread from last week to this week, uh, I I truly think Jordan Hare Stadium adds like fifteen points. <laughs> to, to Auburn's <laughs> like if you put that at it a is a, there's setting, a lot of weird stuff happens there it is true yeah if you put I, that I at mean, like Legion Field even like that that's that's probably like Georgia by like 30. <laughs> I mean uh, you know Auburn Jesus made Delbert Alvarado miss like 14 field goals so back in 2000 like it's a real thing it is that's there you go very true all right let's move on to We've got for the third week in a row, we've got Notre Dame who um would you say they escaped against Duke last week? Would that be fair to say? Uh never I mean, in the, doubt. <laughs> the cover of five and a half was never in doubt. Uh big ups to Audric Estime for not going down, uh setting up the game winning field goal. That's for losers. Score touchdowns uh and help uh people cover. So they go on the road again. They're at Louisville, who's undefeated, but uh, Louisville may be fraudulent. I don't know. Notre Dame's a six-point favorite right now on the road at Louisville. The over-under is set at 54, and I'll get it started. Me and Vito are both going under 54. Uh, I think the Notre Dame defense we've seen is uh, it travels. It's been really good all year. I think they'll give Louisville some problems. Louisville's kind of beating up on bad teams but when they play some decent defenses like uh, North Carolina State. They don't look as good. Now, they'll be at home. Uh, and then the Notre Dame side of it, they're really hurt at receiver, so I'm not quite sure if they'll get guys back or not. But Vito and I both like under 54. Stieg, where are you going on this one? Um, 
boy, Notre Dame has had a, quite a run of it this year. It, it feels like every single week they they get like the the scrappiest opponent that they could possibly match up against. So uh, God bless the uh, scheduling gods, the the the, the Catholics for uh, you know blessing them with this. Um, I hate this because like this Louisville team, I couldn't tell you more than like two things about just because it seems like they haven't played anyone. Uh, but at the same time, they've looked really good. Uh, so I don't know if I can put them on the spectrum of like they're like a UCF where they play no one for like six weeks and then all of a sudden they play a conference opponent and get mollywop, or uh, you know they they could you know be legit and 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 Scott Satterfield there no it's uh, Brom Brom yeah Daddy that's Brom I couldn't remember the triangle of those three schools trading coaches for a little bit um, yeah I mean the prodigal child has returned. And ironically, I'm going to go with Notre Dame uh, with that one. <laughs> Trying to segue a, a Bible reference in there. Um, I just I, I don't want to pick against Notre Dame my right son now. Is returned. All right, Nick, where are you leaning on this one? Notre Dame is a six point favorite, just under a touchdown. Oh, the Irish! I have Notre Dame. I don't. I don't think this particular game is going to be even close. If so, the thing is, if this game were happening. A year from now, where Brom has a full year under his belt, you know, offense is humming. He has some of his players, like some more of his players and his recruits. And yeah, I think this could be an interesting game. Unfortunately, like for this Louisville team, they've been decent in spots. They've been pretty good, but you're still, this is still kind of like a retool rebuilding and you're not going to be prepared to go toe to toe with a Notre Dame team that could still damn well make the college football playoff. Like I think they're that good. I think Sam Hartman and Audrick SMA is are great one, two uh, combination for that offense. Yeah. I don't like maybe first, you know, a little bit in the first quarter, first half, it's kind of close, but I, I think this is a game that the Irish are going to, but, you know, really put their foot on the necks of a weaker team. And it's and that's something that you really want to do, especially when you have USC coming to town next week. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they handled their business early and they just roll here. All right. Nathan, where, where are you thinking here? Um, so Notre Dame's in a t- – like, it's, it's a tough month for them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like – you have the heartbreaker with Ohio state, you get, you kind of bounce back, you get this win and then you have Louisville and then you got USC. Like you don't get a break until the pit game. And they've already played six games this year. Like it's been, it's already been a pretty long haul for them. Uh, I don't think Jack Plummer's that good. Like he lit up a really bad Boston college team and then against team especially last week, you know, against NC State, wasn't great. And they still got the win, but wasn't great. And uh, Sam Hartman's definitely, I think I, I don't want to speak uh, for the, for the group here, but I think we could all probably agree Sam Hartman's a better quarterback than, than uh, Jack Plummer. Um, Very so, handsome too. He is. The beard is mean, both, the beard's helping, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, Jack Plummer, uh, he's fine. He's, you know, been around. I think he's probably, so far, probably the most productive guy that's on his third team in six years. 
I guess the competition is like JT Daniels, who's, hey, he's playing he's well. fine. Uh, but Notre Dame, I, it's just a weird spot. I, I, I could, I can see Louisville keeping it close, but I think the talent wins out, and then we'll actually see how Notre Dame plays against like good competition next week. All right, so you've got Notre Dame as well. All right, so now it's time to go off the board. Vito, I'll let Vito get us started here. Vito's got Maryland plus 19 and a half against Ohio State. Um, should be an interesting game. I know that's, I think that's where Big Noon Saturday is. So, should be a fun one. Uh, Maryland, let's see. That Ohio State defense has been pretty good. We'll see if American, Maryland can put up some points. Um, so that's kind of the early game on Saturday. I'm going with one of the late games. I'm going to take Oregon State minus nine and a half on the road at Cal. Um, I just don't really believe in Cal. I think this Oregon State defense is legit. You saw them just totally snuff out Utah last week. Um, they get a little bit extra time to prepare for this one. Uh, and I, I think they're a pretty good team, so I'm not too worried about them going on the road. So I'll take them minus nine and a half. Nick, where are you headed off the board here? You were talking about LSU earlier. I have Missouri plus five and a half over LSU. Man, like I said, that LSU, they gave up, bro, they gave up over 700 yards of offense last week. 700. Like, it was like that, it was like that, uh, what is it, the 2020 season, the first game where where, uh, (laughs) Mississippi State. The Mike Leach was KJ Costello just setting SEC record. It was that game, basically. Missouri is really good. Like Missouri, like don't sleep on Missouri. They, they, their offense has been lighting it up. Um, what's the what's the wide receiver? What's Burton. Like, yeah, Luther Burden the third has been just a monster for that team. You know, it's a noon. It's it, you know, it's a bit early. It's a noon game, but it's probably the biggest uh, SEC home game, Missouri has had since those – since a decade ago, those, like, 2013, 2014 teams that went to the SEC championship game. So, like, they're going to be hyped up for this one. Their offense has been great, and they can definitely pick apart this LSU defense. So, yeah, I have Missouri covering the five-and-a-half-point spread easily against LSU. Yeah, that might – it's unfortunate that when that game's on because that's going to be probably one of the most entertaining games of the day. Just you'll have it opposite some other – pretty good ones too so uh i like that yeah it's missouri's got a good offense and lsu's defense is so bad that you think it you know i you could definitely see a shootout happening for sure steve where are you going off the board here oh i'm going really, really off the board here um oh. i i have a I have tulsa over florida atlantic in a, oh. uh, a little american athletic conference matchup uh, currently, uh, they have a uh, Florida Atlantic favored by four. Uh, the game is being played in uh, Boca, uh, but the unfortunate thing is that it's at six p.m., which is like prime dinner time for uh, every early bird. Uh, so the game probably won't be very well attended by the uh, FAU fans there. <clears throat> but uh, I, I really like Tulsa's offense. I it sounds wild. I, I I didn't think that Kevin Wilson was a was a staggering hire as a head coach for uh, the old Golden Hurricane, but uh, Steve Spurrier Jr. Uh, looks pretty good uh, 
coaching them up on offense. Cardell Williams looks really, really efficient. Um, yes, Tim, Temple is probably going to be turbo butt this year. So, you know, all, all you know, jokes aside, I, I think they probably could have left. They left a lot of points on the board last week against uh, against Temple. So uh, give me the uh, give me Tulsa to uh, pull a little upset here, an upset special. All right, Tulsa plus four. That leaves Nathan. Nathan, what is your off the board? To get a new streak started. Where to are get you a new streak. You know what? Uh, to get a new streak started, I, I'm going with the troops. I've got Army minus three uh, over BC. Army's at home. Um, last time they played it at West Point, Army won 34-31. In 2012, it's been quite a while. Um, the, the last actual matchup between these two schools was in 2013. Uh, Ryan Day, I don't know if you guys have heard of him. He was the BC offensive coordinator. And then um, just brace yourselves when I say this name, folks. I, I promise you he's not going to throw back-to-back goal line fades with uh, with your USF quarterback. Uh, Todd Fitch was the wide receivers and passing game coordinator uh, for those Boston College Eagles back in 2013. BC's not good. And I think what Army does currently in college football is a lot of fun. It's interesting. I, you know, I'm a sucker for any variation of the triple. Uh, and I'm here for it. I think that the troops can get this job done. Um, I believe in them. And I just, it's mostly, I just can't stand Boston College. Like they're so bad. Yeah, they're not uh they're not great. So all right, so let's go through the picks one more time just to recap here. I am the only one on Oklahoma plus six and a half. Nate and Vito like Texas minus six and a half. Nick and Steve like the under 60 and a half in that game. Myself, Vito, and Nick are on Kentucky plus 14 and a half. Nate and Steve are on Georgia minus 14 and a half. Hopefully for uh, us, the hook is important there. Uh, Notre Dame is minus six at Louisville. Vito and I have under 54. Nate, Nick, and Steve have Notre Dame minus six. And then off the board, I've got Oregon State minus nine and a half. Nathan's got Army minus three. Vito, Maryland plus 19 and a half. Nick, Mizzou plus five and a half. And Steve, Tulsa plus four. So good mix of dogs and favorites there. Gentlemen, uh, another excellent week full of insight and, and Nathan digging back into trends from the 70s. So that's that's new, but we'll expect it going forward now. Yeah, absolutely. It's the best I can do. There we go. All right. We'll be back next week to review these picks and preview the following week. Thank you for watching. Like, subscribe, help us game the YouTube algorithm. Thank you, boys.